Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carrollwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. How many ready for the main point? Main point. So the main point for today is greed produces scarcity, but generosity produces abundance. The main point for today is greed produces scarcity, but generosity produces abundance. And this is far beyond, far beyond just the monetary realm. This is far beyond just money. When we are selfish with our affection, there's an, that produces an environment where love is scarce. When we are generous with our affections, it produces an environment where love is abundant, right? This is far beyond just money. This isn't a, another money message, my gosh. We will touch on that. But what we're going after in this particular church campus is we're trying to create an atmosphere of generosity. This is the same church that when Jenny needed a laptop to go to school, we just raised the money to get Jenny a laptop. This is the same church that when one of our friends, Stephanie, needed to take a couple days off, we just raised the money and sent her on a two-day vacation, all expense paid. This is the same church that when Edwin needed to go to Uganda, we just helped raise the money and send him off to Uganda and pray that God would bless him. This is a generous church. Make no mistake about it. So what I'm really doing is I'm just affirming the, the direction we're already heading in. Does that make sense? Like we're already such a generous people. Here's what I'm believing for. I'm believing for our level of generosity to reach a point where we will find no need among us. The Bible says in the book of Acts that they had sold everything that they had and shared their, their wealth amongst one another to the point that there was no need found among them. I've said this many, many times, and I'll say it again. A lot of people have asked me, Joel, what is your... What is your kind of end time plan? Like, uh, you know, are you going to be investing in gold, investing in bullets? Are you investing in, you know, all these kinds of other things? Like, you know, you ever seen, you ever seen the show Doomsday Preppers? Anybody? Am I the only one? Thank you. Okay, so you get it. Here's the deal. I'm not saying it's, it's not wrong to be prepared. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the wise foresee calamity and prepare themselves. Not saying that that's wrong. What I am saying is that when it comes to the final days of this age, I'm putting all of my numbers, or all of my chips on the number of the church. I'm putting all my bets on a generous church. Because here's the deal. In our culture generosity, if things become scarce, if there's ever a time where believers cannot actually buy commerce or because for whatever reason we didn't take the mark of the beast, if this is actually interpreted in such a way where we ourselves cannot actually do commerce the traditional way, I'm not scared anymore. 
Because I actually believe in a church that we're going to take care of one another today, tomorrow, and for the rest of time. Yes, you can clap for that. Come on, that's good news. That's good news. You're part of a culture that the Bible says this very organization is the one thing that the gates of hell shall never overcome. The world's economies can collapse tomorrow and the church will stand. Why? Because we're the people that have built our lives on the rock. Jesus says that anyone who hears my words and does them is like a wise man who builds their house on the rock. When the storms come and the winds blow, the house shall stand. Whew. Greed produces scarcity, but generosity produces abundance. So let's talk about what has God already done. Let's start with the fact that God has provided for everyone. Provided. Did you know, I just recently read this in an article last night, that today the world produces 150% more food with only 13% uh, more land compared to 1960. Thanks to a lot of our innovations that we've made over the years, we can produce 1.5x the global population. That's enough to feed 10, over 10 billion people, while only there's only currently 8 billion on the planet. That means that there is enough for everyone. The world that God created is a world of plenty. There is enough food to go around. So anytime that you see people starving in impoverished nations, it all goes down to two things, either ignorance or greed. Because God's already done his part. He's already provided enough. A lot of times we look at you know, we, 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 we believe that God will provide and then some of us look at, you know, impoverished people or impoverished nations and we think, well, man, God said he's going to provide, but I see so many people, 25,000 people die a day of hunger. Yes, 25,000 people do die per day of hunger, but here's the deal. God already built the earth and provided enough for all of us. So who's allowing who to starve? Is it God? Or is it us? All of most, I want to say most, most of the injustices that exist in the world today, you could trace it all the way back to human greed. My wife and I have a declaration every time we give, every single time that we give. We, we say a couple statements. I'm, I mean, I, I come from an old Pentecostal background. Anybody like Pentecostal roots? Nobody? Am I the only Pentecostal root in the house? God, God I know you, you better raise your hand, Lynette. I was at her church when I was like seven years old. They were Pentecostal. Like skirts down to the floor, okay, Pentecostal. All right? Anybody get that joke? Am I the only one that got that joke? Nancy, you get it, right? Okay, thank you. Gosh, tough crowd. I come from a Pentecostal background. And listen, we declare lots of things. We just declare things, right? We just believe, like, you come to Pentecostal church. I've been, I've been prophesied over, like, a thousand times by the time I hit five years old. Like, I just, I'm in that kind of Pentecostal church. Okay? And we declare things, right? 
old Pentecostal background, so I still believe in the power of declaration. And um, man, I, I, every time my wife and I give, we make a couple declarations. Number one, we pray for souls saved. Every time we give, we pray for jobs and better jobs. Every time we give, we pray for, we declare health and better health, raises bonuses, business, business is prospering among our community, houses paid for in full. And then here's the most important thing that we declare every single time that we give. You ready for it? Are you ready? Every time we give, we declare this, that greediness will be crushed in my life. And they would have more than enough to bless others. Every single time. I mean, for years we've been declaring this. Every single time we give. God, as we give our tithes and offerings, we're believing the Lord for souls saved, jobs and better jobs, health and better health, raises, bonus, benefits, property sold, return on investments, businesses prospering, houses paid for in full, greediness crushed in my life and more than enough to bless others. By the way, that is the biblical definition of prosperity. When you have enough to cover your needs and more than enough to bless others. If you have enough to cover your needs and you have more than enough to bless others, congratulations, you have biblical prosperity. It doesn't mean a $65 million jet. Hello? I mean, Lynette, you let me know. If you ever get one, just give me a call. Okay? We'll tour the world together. But you know what I mean? If you have enough to cover your needs and you still have enough to bless others, congratulations, you are prosperous. Wow. There is enough for all of our need. But there is not enough for all of our greed. There is enough for all of our need, but there is not enough for all of our greed. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 15, then he said, beware and guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. I'm thankful today that I was raised, I have some spiritual parents in the room, Don and Nancy Conwell. Give it up for the Conwells, you guys. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Is that okay? <laughs> Since I was 14 years old, I'm 32 now, so almost 20 years. Since I was 14 years old, um, Don and Nancy have been an example to me about what it means to be generous. These are people that, um, I mean, like just a whole community of believers just come to their house to hang out. Anybody ever hung out at Don and Nancy's house before? You just kind of like, I don't know what to do. What do you want to do? Let's just go to Don and Nancy's house. Like it's like a thing to do. And uh, Don and Nancy, I mean, have housed believers a from the nations, from the city. Um, in fact, to the point where Don started realizing that, like, man, we don't have enough room for all these people that just keep coming to our house to hang out. So they built another addition on their property just for more believers to come and congregate. That's what happens when people become generous. A whole city can be impacted. Thank you, Don and Nancy. Give it up one more time for them, for their example. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. But I want to talk today a little bit about the negative effects of greed. Is that okay with you? I am so serious about this. Like we are going to, like we, if we're going to eradicate one thing within our midst, we're going to eradicate greed. Because by the way, um, greed is at the root of sexual lust. 
Yeah? Greed is at the root of sexual lust. Did you know that? Like, part of the reason why, um, like, for some of us who, especially even if you're married, like, if you're struggling with lust, like, the Lord told me one time, he's like, Joel, if you're ever struggling with lust in your marriage, it's because you haven't eradicated greed from your life. I said, what? He says, yes, lust is rooted in greed. Because greed says, I don't have enough. So what that does is it, when it manifests inside your sexuality, just because I don't have enough. I need more than what God has provided for me. So this is why we have to eradicate greed in our community. Like, greed, eradicating greed will also, in, like, it'll eradicate lust. It'll eradicate, um, you know, selfishness. It'll eradicate stealing. Like, greed is at the root of so many of our issues in society. Are you with me, church? Like, are you with me on this? Like, greed is such an enemy to a prosperous body, to a prosperous community. So let's talk about some of the negative effects of greed. The negative effects of greed begin with the seductive mirage of more. In our fast-paced, consumer-driven world, the siren call of greed whispers in our ears, promising happiness through the accumulation of wealth and possessions. The more we have, the more we want. And the pursuit of material gain becomes an insatiable hunger. However, this relentless quest for more, in this relentless quest for more, we risk losing sight of the true source of joy. The true source of joy, fulfillment, that lie beyond the mirage of material gain. I remember one time I had a conversation with Don. I'm sorry, Conwell, so just you guys are the highlight this morning. Um, I remember I was talking to Don, and I don't think you remember this, but I'll never forget it. We were talking, and Don was just saying, you know, he was just kind of talking about his career. Don's a pretty established lawyer in the community. And he was just kind of talking about it. He's like, you know, Joel, like even before I... Um, grew my business even before I did all the things. The same things that I enjoyed when I didn't have much, I still enjoy today. You shared that with me one time. And that just proves to you, like, hey, like, we actually, a lot of the same things that, that bring us joy now, they'll bring us joy then. So what I'm trying to say is that, like, a lot of us think that we're unhappy because we need more stuff. Guys, we don't need more stuff. Most of us actually are pretty fine doing like me, my happiest, one of my happiest moments right now is just riding my bike. And I bet you, like, if I ever, if my, my business ever grows or my business ever prospers, still one of my happiest moments will be riding my bike. You know? Like, like, let's go back to, like, enjoying the simple pleasures of life. Like, we don't need, we don't need more, most of us, I'm not saying that all of us, but most of us just don't need more stuff. Today is my reminder for you. That all of the stuff that you see on Amazon, <laughs> most of those are wants and not needs. Okay? I'm only trying to just, I feel like I'm just trying to like talk against the tide of the culture because guys, this constant need for more is making us depressed. Like I, the reason why I'm fighting greed today is because I'm trying to fight depression in your life. Does that make sense? This insatiable thirst for more, it actually prevents us from finally being happy with what we have. 
Ah, man. The Bible says, um, man, in the book of uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. Wow, and pierced themselves with many pangs. Another, another one of the negative effects of greed is shattered connections. Greed not only corrupts the individual soul, but it also fractures the bonds that hold society together. When our primary focus becomes amassing wealth, relationships often suffer. I'm talking to uh, any workaholics in the room? I'll start with me. Any workaholics? Yeah. Listen, the Bible says that work is holy, work is good, but work shouldn't be so important that you sacrifice your most important relationships just to amass more wealth. Can I get an amen? You should not be willing to sacrifice your most important relationships just to chase another dollar. Because here's the deal. Dollars come and go. The people that are most important, dollars are disposable. The people most important in your life are not. Another one of the negative effects of greed is the hollow victory of wealth. One of the things that happens when you're greedy, you're trying to pursue money for just the sake of pursuing money, is that it inflates this um, hollow illusion that you've arrived. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as nirvana, okay? There's no such thing as this concept that I have now attained this thing. And what ends up happening is that as you begin to acquire, you know, a lot of wealth out of, out of, rooted out of greed, what it does is it, it then creates this self-inflated view that I did this on my own. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the sayings of Agar, Proverbs 30, Lord, and he asked, this is one of the wisest Proverbs that I've ever read, and it actually wasn't written by Solomon. It was written by Agar. I don't know who Agar is, by the way. For those of you Bible scholars, maybe afterwards you can tell me. But this guy, Proverbs 30, sayings of Agar, he says this, Lord, two things I ask before I die. Number one, never let me tell a lie. And number two, give me neither wealth nor poverty. For what? If, I'm, if I have too little, I will steal and profane your name. Or if I have too much, I will believe that I gain this on my own and forget the Lord. The only thing I ask God is that you give me just enough to cover my needs. Proverbs 30, sayings of Agar. I think the reason why I'm doing this is because one of the things that I'm noticing that I've needed to repent in myself is believing that I don't have enough. Like, God had to check me first on this. Right? Like, I'm looking at my house, I'm looking at everything that I have, and for some reason I just started to notice this sense of dissatisfaction that started turning a wheel inside of me that caused me to work more than I should. And I've had to repent of this. So I'm just sharing with you what God is speaking to me. Is that okay? Do not lay up yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven on earth where neither moth nor rust destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So let's talk about treasure. Now, am I against believers having money? No, I'm not. 
What I am against is believers walking in greed. There's a difference. Here's the deal. Well, Joel, how much is too much money? It's a great question. How much money does it take for you to turn money into an idol? Hello? I'm not against believers having money. I'm not, I, I, every time I get money, I tend to just give it away. <laughs> I have so much fun giving people money. I'm not against believers having money. What I am against is believers walking in greed and idolatry towards money. So for some people, like I asked, I asked earlier, how much is too much money? The number depends on how much it takes for you to walk in idolatry towards money. For you to walk in self-inflated, uh, self-inflated pride towards money. For some people, it's $5. Some people, they'll break their integrity and they'll walk away from God for $5. For some people, it's $5 trillion. It doesn't matter. What matters is how much does it take for you to start to think that you become your own God. In fact, even our own currency here in the United States, if you look on the back, it's asking you, it's begging you, it's pleading you to know this. In God we trust. Now look, again, I, you know, some of you have needs, some of you need a little bit more money, and that's okay. I'm not saying that it's not okay to have a little bit more resources. I'm not saying that it's not okay to ask God for more. I'm not saying that it's not okay to do that. What I am saying is that if God has provided for you, if he's met most of your needs, but then you become insatiably desirous for more, just be careful because that becomes a slippery slope. That's all I'm saying. We have to guard against this. Because here's the deal. The more we want, the less we care to give to others. And right there is where I have a problem. Because, the book of, because uh, before John... Uh, before Jesus came, the John, who has been labeled the greatest of the prophets, you know, they were asking John, hey, John, what do we do to get ready for the return of the Lord? Like, what do we do, John? He says, hey, if you have two coats, give away one. Like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> it can't be that simple. Yes. If you got two coats, give one away. That's how you prepare for the coming of the Lord. And I believe that in that same spirit of generosity, in the preparation of the first coming, the church needs to be in that same spirit in the preparation for the second coming. As we prepare for the second coming of the Lord, our ambition needs to be, hey, if I've got extra, somebody else needs to be blessed. Remember, enough to cover my needs, more than enough to still bless others. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Yeah? I have seen in my own life that when I'm willing to just give to someone else during a time of need, I see fear leave their eyes. Just by blessing them, like writing a check or handing them some money, I see fear, worry, and anxiety leave their body. You got to go? Yeah, yeah. Okay, go. Yeah. Yeah. So... Oh, man. Mm. Another one of the effects of greed is the ripple effect on society in general. Greed does not exist in isolation. Its repercussions extend far beyond the individual. When, when a society succumbs to the allure of unchecked greed, inequality flourishes. Did you hear that? When a society 
succumbs to the allure of unchecked greed, inequality flourishes. The gap between the privileged few and the struggling many widens. The social imbalance breeds resentment, erodes trust, and sows seeds of unrest. It is incumbent upon us to recognize the broader impact of our choices and strive for a more equitable and compassionate society. Okay, I'm about to trigger some of you, so get ready. You got your trigger hat on? Ready? The Bible has both capitalistic and socialistic um, principles inside of it. We know that the Bible says that the one who does not work does not eat. Right? That's a very capitalistic mindset, yes? But did you know that the Bible also says, especially in the Old Testament, that if you have crops, if you have crops in your field, guess what? You're not allowed to even pick all of your own crops. The Bible says that there's going to be a part of your field, the fringes of your crop, you're not even allowed to pick because that is for the poor and the foreigner among you. Oh, but I, I mean, this was, I raised this crop myself. Congratulations. You don't raise anything by yourself. Everything you have comes from the hand of God. So there are both, if you can say, socialistic and capitalistic mindsets in the Bible. This is why, by the way, as believers, we can't just be um, political party and then the kingdom. Oh, I'm going there, aren't I? Yeah, I'm going there. <laughs> we cannot inflate or exalt our political stance above the word of God. This is why believers must be versed in the word of God so that we can discern situations on a case-by-case basis and not simply cheer for whatever team has a certain letter behind the name. Just so you know, before your political registration, you're, before your political registration, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That is your eternal registration. And you approach things according to the kingdom. I hope most of you return to church next Sunday. <laughs> but if not, we're going to speak the truth regardless, yeah? Mm. The Bible says in Proverbs 14:31, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Mariela, I'm going to put you on the spot. Did you bring the ba- stuff for the babies? The, how much did you bring? Like clothes and stuff like that, yeah? So there's a, a, a Petra house. It's a ministry that we support for moms who are struggling with, um, like, places to live. And Mariela, um, she has been texting and calling. She's like, I need someone to give these clothes and supplies for the babies at Petra house. So last night she texted me, Joelito, I need some help. She's fighting to be generous. She's determined to meet the needs of other people. We need more of that. Thank you, Mariela. Um, 
Edwin, you can, you got something? Yeah. Hang on, let me say a couple more things. Mama, here, grab this one. Hold down the green, the button in a second. So now that I talked about the negative effects of greed, I'm going to tie this into our overall sermon series. We've been talking about reaching the lost. We've been talking about sharing the gospel. Nothing introduces people to the gospel more effectively, more efficiently than generous believers. You want to see people saved? Start giving. And I'm not just talking about just giving to the church. Although, as a pastor, I can't, you know, hey, (laughs) bless you if you want to give to the church. But this is bigger than that. This is bigger than even giving to the church. This is giving to one another, meeting needs that you see in your neighbor's life. You want to see the lost come to know the Lord? Find out the needs in your neighbor's life and be determined to give. I believe, and this is a little bit of a bold statement, but if we all became as generous as the Bible challenges us to be, there would be a billion new souls in the kingdom overnight. If we all became as generous as the Bible calls us to be, I I think we can win the billion soul harvest overnight. So many of us, there's so many organizations that are plotting and strategizing, how can we bring in this billion soul harvest? Listen, if everybody cares for each other's needs, um, that paves the way for the message of the gospel better than anything else. So we have to walk in generosity. We have to be generous with our resources, generous with our money, generous with our materials, generous with our energy and our time. I have one last passage for you. Hey, Medina. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory all, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did We see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you drink. And when did we, when did, when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? 
And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, that if you did it for one of the least of my, these brothers of mine, you did it to me. Then he will say to his left, those depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, a thirsty stranger, naked, sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he said, answered them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The Bible says that faith without deeds is dead faith. None of us can impact the world with dead faith. I'm believing for a generous church. I'm believing for a church that's generous with her time, that she'll give time to that person who needs some attention. I'm believing for a church that's generous with her affections, that you will give affections to those who desperately need it. I'm believing for a church that's generous with their resources, that you will give food to those who are hungry, water to those who are thirsty. believe in you. It doesn't take much, folks. We will see the lost saved in Tampa Bay. We will. If we're willing to be generous. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Carrollwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.